0: That rumbling you hear outside could be one of two things. It could be the wind gusting to 40 miles per hour, or it might be the USDA dump trucks leaving after unloading a pile of data on the grain markets. We'll break down the reports, including that record corn yield, and take a look how it all might influence 2024 crop marketings. Live with our
1: Ag Abacus Begging for Math Mercy via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Jeff Peterson from Heartland Farm Partners. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now,
0: welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis, hey, thank you so much. I was going to say that it could be three things, one of three, three things. One but of three. because there's not many bulls left in the grain markets, it's hard to say that a third option... Would have been the bulls stampeding away from the grain markets.
1: No, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah,
0: there's not many bulls left to stampede. I think there's one, like,
1: three-legged steer kind of dragging himself <laughs> away, and that's <laughs> what that looks like.
0: Yeah, there's one bull left, but we call him Gomer. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a lot of heart,
1: though, doesn't he? He does. You
0: know, he does. Tries that's his right. Best. Yep, yep. Welcome to AgriTalk. It is USDA report. Day and I mean, big USDA report day, and uh, we're going to break it all down. We've got Jeff Peterson from Heartland Farm Partners standing by to dig into some of the uh, numbers. And I tell you, the the record national average corn yield is something that that popped right off the page when we saw it. I didn't think that the number that would be most surprising would come from the annual production summary, but there it is. Uh, yeah, wow what the record national average corn yield in a growing season, like we had dude in a growing season, like we had, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we've got a lot to talk about surrounding that estimate and, uh, what this estimate, what it might mean to the quarterly grain stocks reports going forward, what it might mean to the market. The next time that we have less than ideal growing conditions, out there in the midwest this a lot of implications from this number there's there's no question about it bro i got All a right. number i got a what? number you what? want you want to hear yeah. it yeah 725
1: 725 mhm 7 I got a quote 7, here july 25th this from mr chip flory this may be unpopular but the crops actually look pretty
0: good yeah
1: you saw it yeah. all along, bro. You pulled Oh, the future forward. I don't know That's about what that. You I went out there on you crop did. tour.
0: I went out on crop tour and thought that I was looking at a crop that was hurt worse than what it was. Yeah, this I was did. pre-crop tour, though. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you fast forward a month from that time, and, and you're right in the middle of crop tour. And, yeah, I it it, it was hard to believe that the crop wasn't getting hurt. but. Nebraska comes back at 182 for a a state average yield. Holy smokes. Big numbers Mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some of the details.
1: Chip spillover pressure from corn and soybean futures weighed on wheat prices today. USDA this morning estimated winter wheat seedings at 34.425 million acres that's down 2.274 million from year ago nearly 1.4 million below the average pre-report trade guess Man. hard red winter wheat seedings are down 1.7 million from year ago srw acres down a half million white winter acres also down 100,000 from last year usda put december 1 wheat stocks in all positions 1.41 billion bushels 23 million more than traders expected and finally, Chip 2324 wheat carryover is estimated at 648 million bushels. That is down 11 million from last month, 10 million bushels below trade expectations. At the close, March HRW wheat futures three quarters of a cent lower, 615 and a quarter. March SRW wheat down seven and three quarters to 596.
0: March spring wheat closed at 699 and one half. Chip, that's down a half cent. All right. And on the week, March soft red winter wheat futures down 20 cents. March HRW down 12 and 3 quarters and March spring wheat futures down 12 and a half cents. We're looking for demand now, Davis. That's the mm. bottom line. We get, exports are 775 million bushels. We got to do something to find some additional demand for wheat. Yeah, and we did see some traditional buyers show up for other crops during yep. this week here.
1: Be nice to get them in the wheat. Yep. USDA now puts the 2023 corn crop At a record 15.342 billion bushels, that's 108 million bushels above the November Crop Production Report, 116 million above trade expectations. USDA raised the national average corn yield 2.4 bushels from November to a record 177.3 bushels per acre. Chip, that was partially offset by a 583,000 acre cut to harvested area. December 1, stocks of corn in all positions. 12.169 12.169 billion bushels. That was 119 million bushels above trade expectations and above U.S.D.A.'s estimate of 23.24 corn carryover at 2.162 billion bushels. That's up th- uh, 31 million from last month, 57 million above the average pre-report trade guess. March corn futures, 10 and three quarters lower. 4.47 May corn down 10 and three quarters. 4.59
0: July corn futures closed to 4.68 and one quarter,
1: down 10 and three quarters.
0: Yeah, not much spread action there yeah. in the old crop corn futures today, trying to figure out exactly what that might mean for us going forward. And, and um, there's a lot of uncertainty in old crop corn now uh, after getting that record national average corn yield out there. March corn on the week down 13 and three quarter cents. July corn on the week down 15 and one half cents.
1: USDA now puts the 2023 soybean crop at 4.165 billion bushels. That's up 36 million from November, 38 million above trade expectations. USDA raised the national average soybean yield by seven-tenths of a bushel to 50.6 bushels per acre and cut harvested acres by 435,000. December 1 soybean stocks in all positions at 3 billion bushels was 25 million above trade expectations. USDA puts 2324 soybean carryover at 280 million bushels, That's up 35 million from December and 37 million above the average pre report trade estimate. March beans were 12 and one quarter lower, 12.24 and a quarter. May beans down 12 and a quarter, 12.35 and three quarters. July beans closed at 12.44 and a quarter down 11 and three quarters cents. Chip, of all the markets, it feels like in the soybeans, it could have been worse.
0: Well, it it certainly could have been. And there wasn't much spread action there either. I think that's telling us that they're trying to figure out what's going on next. March beans on the week. Down 32 cents. July beans on the week, down 25 and a half. Mm. March bean oil, down six, excuse me, up 62 points. March soybean meal was down $7.30. Now, also, December corn on the week, down 12 and a quarter. November beans down seven cents on the week. The Mm. corn bean price ratio, 2.49 at the end of this week. Oh,
1: look at that. Wow. Okay. Okay. USDA puts 2324 cotton carryover at 2.9 million bales. That's down 200,000 bales from December. March cotton five points lower on the day, 8131 chip on the week.
0: Up 112 points. Hey.
1: On your livestock's double digit losses in corn helped feeder cattle futures close modestly higher, while fat cattle futures gave back a bit of the early week gains. February fat cattle down 42 and a half, and one half. March feeders up 30 cents, to and 70. And on the snout side, the string of higher closes and lean hog futures ended at six, with the market under moderate pressure, profit-taking noted ahead of the three-day weekend. Feb Hogs, 70 cents lower, 71.90. April down a half Chip.
0: All right, February live cattle on the week up 80 cents, eight zero cents. March feeder cattle on the week up $3.55. And February lean hog futures up $1.90. That was a lot of detail from the reports there in Davis's news. And uh, we're going to break that apart a little bit, take it in a little bit smaller chunks, and get some perspective from Jeff Peterson, Heartland Farm Partners, up next here on Agritalk.
2: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with
0: Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. You know, doesn't Hanson just give you warm, fuzzy feelings here on this cold day? Uh, yeah. No? no.
1: No. Not really. It's not doing the trick. Kerosene. What? Kerosene is what gives me that warm feeling in <laughs> weather like this.
0: There's no substitute. <laughs> Let's get some oak and some L fired up in the fireplace, right. baby. You got it. You got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Forget about Hanson on the radio. Who needs them? Who needs They're it? probably in California. You know, what do they know? Exactly. Exactly. Good. You know, we got to hurry up and get this show done. And the reason I say that is because it's still 21 degrees.
1: Okay? Seriously? Okay. Yeah.
0: It's still 21 degrees. What that means is I can get out and move a bunch of snow before it starts getting really, really cold, Uh uh, which is going to happen shortly after the sun goes down uh, this afternoon, which uh, isn't all that far off right now. Okay, we got to get to it. We've got a lot of ground to cover with uh, Jeff Peterson, Heartland Farm Partners. He joins us right now. Jeff, buddy, thank you for making time for us. How are you? Doing
5: great, Chip. So, you know, one of the things, I don't know if you remember us talking about this, but you know, you brought up snow removal. I was yeah. thinking if I came on the show today, weren't you talking something about
0: you're gonna come move yeah. snow that we've yeah. got piled up around here? Right, right. Little compensation. Little Can compensation confirm. coming your way. Um uh, yep. moving yeah, moving moving snow for you. You just keep waiting for that to show up, Jeff. You know mile lane, Jeff. <laughs> I, I, I've got a half mile lane. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend all my time working on that one
3: all right
5: fair enough all right
0: (laughs) how are you everything okay
5: oh yeah doing good you know um unfortunately we're about five degrees and i was up in um, south dakota yesterday morning it was about three below so we're gonna we're gonna get pretty cool here we got a lot of wind going on a lot of snow but the thing i kind of look at it it kind of matches up exactly what the markets are doing i guess
0: yeah yeah sir does freezing over is what it looks like to me and and uh uh, we need to dig into some of the details. Go to the WASDI report and start with the big one, corn. What what did you see in that report? Because it's kind of a compilation of all the other reports piled into one. What did you see there?
5: Yeah, the, the thing is we dig in. You guys did a great job touching on you know, that yield at a 177.3. A new record yield, new record production. Also out of the top end of what the estimates were for where the yield was going to be. And and also where we we're going to have the U.S. production on corn, which is kind of surprising uh, to yeah. us, I guess. Sitting here in Nebraska, you'd mentioned earlier a 182 yield for Nebraska. Boy, that's that's a hard one for us to, to stomach. Yeah. We've got a lot of our customers that that are in the eastern part of the state that have you know uh, the irrigation and and honestly, most all those guys were off from last year and yeah. and ultimately on the dryland side also. But but. You know, nevertheless, uh, the numbers are out there. The market trades it, and and we move on from there. I guess as we as we get to the bottom line, we got to go to the ending stock number. Yeah. And you know, overall, Chip, you you look at it, we we raise production up. You know, 108 million bushels on the corn side, but you know, the ending stock number only came up 31 uh, 31 million bushels, and really, even though that was about 57 million more than the average guess. Um, it is 801 million bushels more than what you know the ending stock number was for last year. But overall, I really thought the market handled this, you know, pretty well. We yeah. we had a pullback. Yeah. We'd expect to see a pullback, but when we look at the market in here and we we see that you know March corn closed about six cents off the low. Yeah, I even though it's down, it, it's a win.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You know, the first close under four fifty in the March contract. We we got to respect that. We got to understand that that does open some additional downside risk, doesn't it?
5: It it does. It does. And and a few things getting back into the report. So we touched on the price a little bit, but you know we yeah. we dig in and and there was some positives over there. And I think we will see more coming down the road. You know, we did see on the the demand side, we saw them increase yeah. the ethanol fifty million bushels. Yep. Yeah. Um, we ended up seeing them bring up you know, the feed and residual 25. Uh, So we got 75 million more on the domestic, you know, and and I thought, you know, I was a little surprised there on the export side. I thought we had room to bring the export number up, but I I think there'll be room for that as we look down the road.
0: Okay. All right. You know, one thing that we cannot forget in all of this when we look at that record yield 177.3 is part of the reason they got there is because they took what a half a million acres off the harvested. So if you took, if you took the lowest yielding half million acres out um the the end result did not add that much to the corn crop did it
5: no it didn't and that and that's exactly right that's what I'm saying I think we got to be careful here when we look at these numbers I think the market immediately and everybody looks at that yield number but we really gotta we gotta get our eyes clear driven down right into that ending stock number it wasn't that big of adjustment I think the biggest thing that Everybody was looking at everybody was looking, or not everybody, but the trade was looking for ending stocks to go down. And when that didn't happen, and we raise and go higher, and you know that that just kind of takes the wind out of base sail.
0: Yeah, it yeah. certainly does. Did you run the harvested acreage percentage? I didn't.
5: Um, actually, you know, I didn't either, Chip.
0: Okay, I'll do. We'll do that during the break and take a look at it. I just want to see if it's if it's out of whack or not. Uh, so we'll do that during the break. But the there, there's lots of movement going on there but doggone it Jeff I'm telling you if we get some hot weather and and dry weather June July and in I should say June and into July of 2024 or 25 or 26 the lessons that we learned in 2023 that's gonna those are going to be hard to forget isn't it
5: yeah it, it is going to and I think that's something that we're seeing and you know if you sit back and just take a look at Years ago, when we let's, let's just talk about wheat for a second and how the market okay. responds, and I'll tie this back over. You think about 20, 25 years ago, Chip, anytime there was any hint of winter kill happening, what happened to the wheat market? It just exploded, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, now anymore, all of a sudden you have cold conditions. The market goes, eh, it's got nine lives, it, it'll be fine. And that's mm-hmm. the same thing. What you said was very important. When we come back over and look at how these yields handled the conditions they did. And all yeah, of a sudden, yeah. it's going to make it so that the the funds, the speculative traders, aren't going to be as quick to jump on this market. But the other thing it has to, I think it also does, look out when we finally do end up getting a good year. And we're due for a good year. And when we get a good one, we will raise a much bigger crop
0: than You're what right. we really realize can happen. You're right. You're right. We kind of keep joking about the trend line yield being an untouchable trend. You know, here we are at 177.3. The 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 trendline yield for last year was 181 um, and a half. It if we even touch the trend, and and have a record yield, that's a lot of corn bushels that we're going to be dealing with uh, when that finally happens. Especially, Jeff, if we're 91, 92 million on, on planted corn acres in 24.
5: Oh, absolutely, And you know later on in the show here we're gonna to touch on some thoughts on where we could end up there, so yeah, you're exactly right
0: yeah ninety one point four percent on that uh harvested acreage percentage, so okay it's that that's right in the ballpark uh, with with where it normally is. Um, I would have
5: almost thought, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'd almost thought based on what we ended up seeing out there, we actually might have seen a even a bigger adjustment on those harvested acres, obviously, what's done is done. But just based on the amount of acres, and you saw it when you were out on tour, how there was a lot of acres. You know what? They were zeroed out. Yep. And were uh, they, you know, and normally a lot of years we might have years where stuff drowns out. This would have been a year where definitely in the areas on the dry land that just didn't make it right. or got chopped.
0: Right, right. Let's go over to the soybeans. What did you see in the supply and demand report?
5: You know, as you dig in on that, um, honestly, soybeans... As you look at it, 41 million bushels higher is what uh, the ending stock number came in than what the average guess is. Now, that's only up about 12 million bushels for the 2012 crop and up about 35 million bushels from where the December report is. And, you know, I, I think on the soybean side, there's there's a lot of positives out there. Uh, If we dig in and look at it, exports isn't one of them. I mean, there's probably room as we go down the road. You know, there was no no adjustment on the export side, but there's probably room for the export number to go down as we go forward. But I think any adjustment that we do bring down on exports, I think will be more than offset by what we end up seeing on the crush side. So I think that's a real positive that can go on there. I think also the, the fact remains on the bean side is that beans, even though we've got enough beans, it wouldn't take much of an adjustment in South America. Now, I realize that as we look at South America, Argentine production, much higher than it was last year. That's offsetting some of the loss that we end up having coming out of Brazil. But it doesn't take many bushels to get slid away from beans. And all of a sudden you get to a point where it's like, you know what? We need we need to bring this market back up higher. And the other thing that I look at in here is that you know, on on the March soybeans, 12.24 and a quarters where we closed. About 21 cents off what the low was today. Overall, Chip, based on this information, what we had, that was a good close.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, that's that's an awesome point. And, you know, we always try to make mention, and, and it didn't happen today, but we always try to make mention of, you know, where's the market open? Where does the market close? It right at mid-range that the market closed today. So it was... It it uh, it was a nice comeback. It was a nice comeback. We'll see if we can build on that. We got a lot of ground to cover. We're going to start taking a look at the world numbers when we come back with Jeff Peterson, Heartland Farm Partners here on Agritalk. Let's
1: go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Where March HRW wheat futures were 3 quarters of 1 cent lower at 615 and 1 quarter. March SRW wheat Down seven and three quarters to 596. March corn futures were ten and three quarters lower, 447. May corn down ten and three quarters, 459. March soybean futures twelve and one quarter cents lower, 1224 and one quarter. May beans down 12 and a quarter to close at 1235 and three quarters. March cotton was five points lower, 8131. On your livestock, sped fat cattle down 42.5 to 171.37 and one half. March feeders were up 30 cents to 27.70. And February Lean Hog features 70 cents lower at 71.90. Get more market news every market day. Visit TryProFarmer.com.
3: My mom's got a new case ice tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do
4: everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena.
1: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and
0: tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to Agritalk. Glad that you're with us. Go over the USDA winter wheat seedings, annual production summary, quarterly grain stocks, Supply and demand report that we got from USDA this morning. Uh, we're, we're breaking it down with Jeff Peterson, Heartland Farm Partners. Jeff, in the last segment, we spent a lot of time on the production report on the uh, the domestic supply and demand. Take us over to the global numbers. Start with corn. I I don't like the year-to-year trends in the corn numbers, that's for sure.
5: No, definitely not. As we look at those world corn ending stock numbers, you know, up 25.1 million metric tons. But here's yeah. where there's some of the surprises and some of the question marks I think that get raised, Chip. Even though that was outside of the range of estimates, the top side, the big reason for that really comes back to China. And if we dig in and look at the production number, they raised their production number from the December report here to January, 11.8 million metric yeah. tons, so almost 400 million bushels. That's a big number and a big question mark while they only increase domestic feed a couple. So as we look at that increase on the stock side, you know, 9.84 million of that's coming out of the adjustment that was made in China.
0: That's a, that, that's a big, big number there. But, but boy, I like, like you said, that number that you featured, 24.7 million tons above what we were a year ago on the global carryover projection, That's going to be a wet blanket over this market. What about on the South American production estimates? Leaving Brazil at 127 million metric tons on corn seems a little optimistic, doesn't it?
5: I think it's very optimistic. But the thing I think that at least we did get here is that it did come down 2 million metric tons from where it was. And it's going in the right direction. And I guess as we dig into the detail of of what was going on there, in my mind, really all they're reflecting so far is some known adjustments that probably will end up being made on some of the acreage. They're being conservative on that safrina corn crop. They've got a little bit of adjustment that they made, I think, because of probably the first crop corn. I think where we could see some big adjustments coming down the road is on that safrina corn crop yield. But it also still could be some further adjustments also on the acres, too. So if we think about what's going on down in South America right now, you know, harvest is probably about 1% complete on those soybeans. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we get a number of items. One, some of those acres on the beans got planted later. So we know that that's going to physically push back when they get that safrina corn crop planted. There's also some talk in there that maybe we bring in continued wetter conditions yet. Now that could help the beans, but it could also slow up bean harvest. And then as we look at some of the longer term weather models, and I realize there's always a lot of debate that can happen around that. Yep. We also yep. start seeing, as we get out into April, April's a fruit, uh, a key month there. If the wet season holds on a little longer and gets out into May, great for that safrina crop, but there's some starting to talk about that ending early. So if you plant that safrina crop early, or excuse me, late, yeah. you all of a sudden have it pollinating and going through ear fill in a drier than normal period, which is April always, but you shut the moisture down. We could have some big adjustments yet that can happen on South American production. And I think we will see it. I just think it's too early to make some big adjustments on the corn side yet, but yeah. but that's where I guess okay. I look down the road and there's, so there's still some optimism there for price action because of that weather market that could happen on the Brazilian corn yet, Chip.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, the year-to-year trend on the soybean uh, global carryover, it's not as bad as it is on so- on corn, but it's still not going in the right direction.
5: It's not. You know, 12.7 million metric tons higher, that's definitely not going in the right direction. Now, what I do think, though, is that as we go down the road, I do think there is room to physically bring down that Brazilian yield some more, but the conditions are pretty good in Argentina. So we're we're going to have to get that Brazilian number down probably in that, You know, 147 type area, probably to get this market real interested in reversing and starting to build in some premiums. I'd agree that that year over year increase on the beans and where bean production is at. That's that's a little concerning.
0: Yeah. Uh, USDA today put the Brazilian bean crop at 157. Now, that was off 4 million tons, but it's still at 157. That's a long ways from 147. Yeah, it, it
5: sure is. Now, there's room in there. We'll have to see, you know, as you as you take a look at when was the crop planted, uh, there's mm-hmm. about 40% of that crop, if you look at, that could have been impacted. And what we're seeing on the weather side is that it, it was, it, from September through December, I'd say it's one of the hottest, driest on record. So we'll see how that bean crop handled it. Uh, it doesn't make you feel real good when you see how the yield adjustment was that USDA made when we had some tough conditions here in the U S but, but beans, we know if we put the warm temps and the heat to them, it does impact the yield though.
0: Sure. Sure. Okay. Let's go to the quarterly grain stocks report. Anything jump out from that?
5: Well, I think on the quarterly grain stocks, something we have to just kind of keep in mind as we're thinking about basis and stuff going forward, nothing really out of the ordinary there, but on the corn side, it is 1.3 billion bushels higher than it would have been last December. Mm-hmm. So that's, there's plenty of corn out there. So keep that in mind. It's just a matter of getting it to move and regionally within different areas, it may take basis to do that. And then over on the soybean side, you know, we're about 21 million bushels less than what we would have been last year. So it just speaks to, you know, the tightness. We uh, We weren't going to run out of beans, but there's definitely yeah. some snugness on that bean crop.
0: Yeah, yeah, 64% of the corn crop is stored on farm. That it plays into your basis concerns a little bit, and there's talk that the off-farm stocks, you know, they're they're up six and a half percent from year ago, but the the question is, they may be off-farm, but who owns it? If the producer yeah. still owns a chunk of those that those uh, corn bushels that are stored off-farm, that's not going to be positive for basis either, Jeff.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yep. And then the usage numbers, the implied disappearance numbers down 7.6% year on year for the quarter in corn, bean use down 6%, wheat use down 23% from the same period last year. Those numbers are going in the wrong direction when we're looking at price trends the way that they are.
5: Yeah, no, you're you're right there also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough. Okay. Um, so, when when we when when you you mentioned that the bean market had a nice recovery, but how did how do you think the markets did just to handling this data load today? Well,
5: when you look at the individual charts, if you were to just go in and look at the March corn chart or the the March uh, uh, basically daily soybean chart, you'd be a little concerned, but chip if you go in and take a look at the weekly charts, um, actually I think it actually handled pretty well and we're coming into okay. some pretty good support. So if we if we look at that weekly corn chart and it goes back and what you're able to do is you're able to draw in a really a support line. Now it is a downtrending channel that you're drawing in, but it, it goes back and looks at where the low would have been back in September at 455 and three quarters, where the low was in November at 447. And then today. We did trade all the way down to 441, but honestly just touched that support level. There's very good support there. And the other positive thing that I see here on how the market handled all this information, handled the negative, but I think the buyers did step in here. We did manage to come back up to the 447 area, and that 447 area takes us right back to where we would have been in, uh, in November against those December futures, and that would have been the low. Okay. So I'm not giving up giving up okay. on this market at all. As a matter of fact, I'm finding we might have had enough of a washout here now to get a few buyers to say, well, wait a minute here. If we have some continued concerns coming out of South America, if we have some demand items that are popping up, we've got the January b- report behind us and some of those surprises that could happen. So that that's on the corn side. And honestly, Chip, it's the same thing on the bean side. If you go in and take a look at the beans, and you don't see it, it looks terrible on a daily chart. But you put it on a a continuous weekly chart, and that takes you back, and you look at the low of thirteen fifty back in October of two thousand twenty-two. You've got a low of twelve seventy and three quarters in May of two thousand twenty-three, and just below us. And we're on a continuous chart. We'd be using the January. Uh, soybean numbers, you know, you've got support there really right just below you, about a nickel blow. So that's where I'm more optimistic on what I think this market can, you know, maybe it's okay. time to wash out here and we're ready for some recovery.
0: Yep. Yep. Jeff, what I just heard you say is do not get more bearish as prices go down.
5: Well, exactly. And, and that's our human emotion. Yep. Right now, based yep. off this report, I can guarantee that most people are going, Well, it's never going to stop. It's just going to keep going. Well, (laughs) prior to coming into this, Chip, I already felt that we were getting a lot of people kind of over on the negative side. Now we've even got more there. So just just be careful. I think we've got a chance to see some bounce in that market.
0: Good counsel. Good counsel there. Uh, What does this do to your thoughts about 2024 acres, 2024 marketings?
5: Yeah, so as we dig into the acre number, one thing that's interesting is overall, it looks like there could be about 5.8 million less acres across corn, beans, and wheat available this next year. Where that comes from is, well, there's probably going to be about 2 million acres more of CRP, probably going to be some additional cotton acres of a couple million, and we can't forget mm-hmm. about the fact that on the prevent plant side, our prevent plant number was pretty low this past year. Mm-hmm. Normally, we have about 4.8 million acres of prevent plant. That's about the 17-year average. We think there could be a couple million more acres of prevent plant than this past year. When you pull all that out, all of a sudden you've got less acres of plant. Now you got to decide where does it go, corn versus beans. And let's say we come in and maybe we pull 3 million acres or so off the corn side chip, you know, or maybe it's a million off the bean side. But I haven't heard a lot of people talk about less acres available across corn, beans, and wheat.
0: Something that we're gonna have to watch for. Jeff, uh, man, I appreciate all your efforts in helping to break these numbers down. Thank you so much, buddy. Stay warm out there.
5: You bet, thanks a lot, Jeff.
0: You bet, Jeff Peterson, Heartland Farm Partners. Okay, the winter wheat seedings report. We need to go through some of the details there. And then we'll just have some general observations from what uh, was included in the reports from USDA today.
2: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here. Chip Flory is along for the ride as well. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that captures it. Along for the ride. I feel like that minimizes your role here. Chip is
0: here. That's fine. You know, he's (laughs)
1: here. He is valid. You know, his ideas are worthwhile. Um, Okay. Thank you. And I just want to affirm those before I throw it back over to you, buddy. <laughs> 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 to talk about the wheat numbers, um, I right. got a couple of things I want to drill down on um, from the conversation with Jeff Peterson. But but first, let's get our let's get our bases covered here. Okay. Um, we we had we got winter wheat seedings to talk about. We got S and Ds, and I'm curious about the global situation too, brother. I don't know where you want to yep. start, but start there. Let,
0: yeah, let's start yeah, on the wherever. seedings number. Yep. Uh, all winter wheat seedings came in at 34.425 million acres. Uh, mm-hmm. Trade expected 35.7, 35.8 million. So, it's like 1.3 million below what we what traders expected. It's also off 2.274 million acres from a year ago. The it's it's kind of widespread uh, HRW acres. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking at a 1.7 million acre decline to 24 million SRW acres, down half a million to 6.86, and white winter wheat seedings down 104,000 acres from last year to 3.54. Uh, on the globe, or excuse me, on the uh, the carryover estimates, here we go. We're looking at 648 million bushels for 2023-24. That was 11 million bushels below the December estimate from USDA, 10 million bushels below the average trade guess. Uh, I hate to do this to you, but they cut 12 million from beginning stocks. Mm. And there was so much going on today that I didn't get a whole lot of time to go back and look at the comparison to the December – Numbers for 2022 23 to figure out how they added 12 million, but it's got to be because of the grain stocks number that we got the December 1 um, uh, stocks number at 1.41 billion bushels. The trade expected 1.387 billion bushels. So, uh, that it what for wheat when you're 23 million bushels above the average pre report trade, guess. That is nothing to uh, to ignore. There, that that's for sure. Now on the global numbers, Davis, we mm-hmm. talked about the trends from year ago on corn and on soybeans being in the wrong direction. In other words, up and up big, up like twelve, almost thirteen million ton from year ago on on soybean carryover, up twenty five million ton from year ago on corn carryover. Now. Wheat global carryover is up one point eight million tons from last month. It's at two hundred and sixty million ton, but that's still eleven and a half million ton below year ago. So month to month the trend was wrong and bearish, but year to year the trend is still price friendly on global stocks. So not a terrible report for wheat. Okay. Okay. Um given
1: what uh what Jeff Peterson um said here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think you might be right um he here's here's his thought this might have been the washout we've been looking for yeah yeah in corn and in soybeans um to me it feels a little more possible in in the corn market than in the soybean market perhaps um Uh, too soon to call
0: uh call a recovery buddy yeah too soon i'm not going to say that it's not going to happen Mm-hmm. but but I think it's too soon to make that call. Here's the thing. Uh, how many times did we hear that, boy, there's a lot of bearishness baked into the current market mm-hmm. going into these reports? We've been hearing that for uh, at least a week, maybe 10, 10 shows mm-hmm. uh, from analysts. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, if, if you're going to fade the bearish data, do you fade it after the bearish data or when everybody's talking about fading the bearish data? Mm. That's a good so, question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It, it it could be that that um, some of the, we cannot forget that the funds are short and they're short big. And if they want to defend their position, Davis, they will defend it and if that means that yeah the market shows a little bit of optimism a little bit of upside potential let's get a short covering rally going here boy they can turn around and turn on the the selling and and change attitudes back to to negative in a hurry
4: mm-hmm. but Absolutely. but huh? i
0: hope yep. i hope all the speculation that it, that there was a lot of bearish information already baked into the market and that this could be what it took to give us one last washout before we do get an upside recovery. I sure hope that's right.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh,
0: Global corn numbers trending higher, but
1: that's influenced by that uh, mysteriously large production figure out of China this year, Chip.
0: Yeah. Up 11, 12 million ton from, from last month matches what China has been saying. When was the last time that we should, that we thought we should match China? on yeah. any of their production estimates. I don't know mm. if it makes sense or not, dude. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and just real quickly, there was talk about uh, South America, that yeah. USDA would sort of take its cues from Conab, let Conab make yeah. the call first, and then USDA would follow incrementally. And I I think maybe we've seen that here.
0: Yeah, I, I still don't like USDA's corn number. Uh, Seems high. Conab, Conab's down there at 117, 118 yeah. Million tons. We're, and USDA's at 127. Yeah. That's a hell of a gap. Yep. A hell of a gap. Too much. All right. Man, I hope you stay warm this weekend. I'm going to try. You know, okay. they moved that
1: uh, the dark blue clear over uh, to someplace yeah. else, so I'm good to go.
0: Yeah, January 18th through the 22nd, we've got below normal temperatures expected over uh, the, west, the eastern three-quarters of the country. We've got above normal temperatures out west that are starting to push their way over to the Rockies. Below normal precipitation expected over most of the Midwest as well. In the eight to 14 day outlook, we've got uh, near normal to below normal temperatures expected in uh, in, in the Midwest. We've even got a shot at some above normal temperatures in North Dakota, Western South Dakota, and Northern Minnesota. Below normal precipitation expected in the Northern areas, near normal to above normal in the Southern areas of the Midwest. Thank you so much for listening today. Come back on Monday morning. Conversation with Machinery Pete and Alan Hoskins. It's a three-day weekend, everybody. Enjoy that day. We'll talk to you again Tuesday morning.